Y'all ready? We ready. Showroom, y'all ready? Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Delicious Tears podcast. I'm your host, The Solution. Well, talk about a myriad of things, different topics sent in by you, the listener, or something that I find that I deem interesting. But as the show has evolved, I decided to bring some people in to help us understand and get some of your viewpoints. But first things first, let's handle some business. You can donate to the podcast via the Anchor app. You can also listen to the podcast via the Anchor app. If you're download adverse, simply Google it. But there's Google Podcasts, there's Spotify, there's Breaker, um, even WordPress to take you to it. There's a WordPress page for it. And I've actually posted all the different platforms, you know, iTunes, Apple Music, all that good stuff. But today we're going to talk about a meme that I posted that I came across. And I got some help, help from somebody I've known for a long time way back and uh, it's going to be really interesting to hear what she has to tell us on this topic and um ladies i, I think um <laughs> you might be surprised on her take maybe maybe not but we shall and will see so a few days ago i posted if she's been hurt before you're supposed to work for her her trust and vulnerability because she is worth it that's in quotes worth it is in quotes then it says if he's been hurt before, he's supposed to still openly trust and be vulnerable. Or he's labeled as emotionally unavailable. And yeah, the, the comments were interesting. <laughs> Woo. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So um, I'm going to read off something my cousin wrote. He said, ah, the other double standard that no one wants to talk about. So co-host guest are you there i am here all right um tell us what you have to say about this so as you had mentioned in your introduction i have in my experiences felt what it's like to be that woman to try and work for that man's trust because we are all human and we do all get hurt and of course through trials and tribulations and time with these individuals you start peeling back these layers that shows okay we know why you're hurt and what are some of the reasons some of those reasons are they've had bad relationships with their mother mm -hmm. or they did not have a relationship period with their parents. So let's say they actually live with somebody else in their family, mm -hmm. whether it be their grandmother or their aunt. But those relationships were not a positive. It wasn't a family, a true family dynamic in the sense of the word that a lot of people strive to have. And so throughout all this time, I have learned that 
I've tried to be understanding and say, okay, I understand that you don't want to openly trust. I totally get it. I've been in the same boat. Nobody's going to be outright throwing out this red carpet just because you may say or do the right thing. And it's just, you just know that they have these issues and there's a lot of times people are not ready to recognize they have not worked through whether it be childhood issues family dynamic issues and you you know end up being the one that they take it out on or I've also noticed where narcissism and gaslighting Mm. is starting to come from due to just not being able to really cope what has I guess you can just put all together what has manifested through all these years and you're hoping okay we're adults because I will admit I'm in my 40s and so I would think with all my experiences that I have the patience to want to work with you know said gentlemen to help them through this and then this just after a while it's just like I don't want them to think I don't want to be there or I don't want to help you work through your issues because we all have these issues but I can't help you get over the past with again your mother or your sister or things of that nature Mm. And so that's where it's just like, it, it's okay for us to try and work with that person. But after a while, if you see this person doesn't want to get help to get through the horrific things they went through as a as a child, I, I just don't know what else to do. But I, that's just my my take on it. Yeah, you, you hit a lot of stuff that um really contributes to what that meme is getting into. And um. You know, as as a man, there's an image of what a man's supposed to be strong. We aren't supposed to be out here crying and, you know, being overly emotional. But uh, the management of emotions is one thing that is not really taught to our boys. So you have this uh, toxic masculinity that's being fed by toxic femininity that you you talked about you know the lack of relationship uh, a positive relationship with their mother or their parents period um seeing the the um the nurturing process for a mom seeing the the structure and the discipline and the focus of the father that does play a part and you carry those things into your intimate relationships because that's what you know maybe he didn't see um his his dad and mom being loving towards one another outwardly they never saw that so they're stumbling upon these things and they, they're taking this trauma with them into the relationship and I, I talk about um about happiness and this is something i had to personally learn um they're going through therapy i tell people all the time i really yeah i sat down and talked to people because i need to understand stuff like i just don't feel the same what's going on um to achieve true happiness is that you have to achieve happiness within yourself. You're going out there and you're trying to find people to fill these holes of happiness and say, now nah, I'm happy. And you hear people, it, it sounds um, hallmarkish and uh, lifetime ish. Oh, you complete me. They make me happy. No, 
people are supposed to enhance your happiness, increase it, not make you happy. You have to be happy with yourself first before you get in a relationship. And, um, you know, you're not ready. That, that's what both it says, you know, on the male side of that meme that um, the, the man is emotionally unavailable. Women can be that way, too. What? You know, you don't go rushing, playing, um, you know, merry-go-round with relationships. Oh, I'm sad. I'll just find somebody else to fill the void. And that's what's going on there. You know, and absolutely. Um, and I, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. And as you just mentioned that, you know, women do the exact same thing. And I just feel our generation is just going in this constant vicious cycle because of this turmoil, because people are afraid to go to therapy mm. and it still has a negative connotation to it. Like if you go You're to weak. therapy, there's something wrong with you. Right. right exactly. And in order to help not only yourself, like you said, to be happy, to not say, Oh, that person completes me. Right. It's be able to recognize And like you said that trauma Can cut so deep There's a lot of individuals out there That they cannot recognize that And it's just the cycle continues mm -hmm. And In my last relationship It's even to the point He doesn't even have a relationship With his daughter Because of The ex-wife And the whole thing with the ex-wife Steers back to after talking to him for two years comes actually from his mother and it's like I feel bad for his daughter mm. because his daughter can't even reach out to him because he feels he doesn't have to talk on the phone whenever a female calls him mm. and I'm like well that's your daughter calling you and he's just like well I, I don't feel like talking to her right now and his mother will do the same thing his mother will call well, she, I've already talked to her earlier today. I don't need to talk to her again. Mm. And I just feel really bad because he does not want to recognize and just try to go to therapy or try to understand you have a deep lying issue and it's just going to continue this vicious cycle into your next generation, which is his daughter. Right. And, and that's what I would just like to see is for women to recognize, as you mentioned, okay, they're supposed to be, this man is supposed to be this bearing the weight of the world on their shoulders. But things happen too. Just like, we'll, we'll just go into the whole army, the sexual assault, mm. you know, for a very long time. Nothing didn't happen to men. Right. But if you look at the statistics, yes, yes. there's quite a few. Yeah. There's a huge disparity when it's almost like 50-50 nowadays. Mm -hmm. And for people to not recognize that, like, there's an issue. And I, I really feel sad and sometimes just angry that you don't want to look that not everybody had a perfect two-parent household. Like, right. we, all through, we all went through things. It's like, why can't you give that person that time? But of course, after a while, you know, you you can't make somebody 
True. understand what's going on, you know, until they're ready. Like you said, until they're happy with themselves, you, you can't do that. Right. Another thing, too, is that when you, you talk about achieving um, personal happiness, that clock has no calendar. You don't know what point that person is on their path, their journey to uh, uh, achieving um, happiness. And I'm not talking about um, maintaining and managing. And that's the, the clinical side of it. Um, that's what I experienced with, you know, you got to know how to maintain it, you know, and all that good stuff. And, and I'm like, well, if you just maintain, you kind of, OK, tighten that up, um, straighten that out. But it's still there. You know, you, you never have right. moved beyond it. You you haven't really progressed. You're just constantly turning a wrench, you know, putting tape on it and all this stuff. And it's still there. But the, the stigma is the biggest part was like, wow, her, you know, viewing weak. And the other part of this, too, is um, talking about emotionally unavailable. A lot of women. Let me run back for a second. For those of you who might be new to the podcast. I do something called inclusionary and exclusionary language. When I say all, that's inclusionary. When I say some, that's exclusionary. So you have guys that will come across some women that weaponize these guys' pain in these uh, moments that they have. They're trying to tell that woman hey this is why i do these things this is why i'm not prepared to do this This is why i'm not ready for this and they go oh yeah i understand and then when stuff goes bad it gets tossed in their face so they shut down now he's emotionally unavailable because of those type of women so um yeah there's some ownership in it and to to get back to the first part of the meme um because we understand with, with men, this is a, a big, big issue because we just don't want to be viewed as soft and weak and we can be taken advantage of and all these things. These, the image that we have, it says if she's been hurt before, we're supposed to work or you're supposed to work for her trust and vulnerability because she is worth it. Meaning you you have to invest time in um, seeing that she gets to the point where she's trusting and accepting of you in the relationship. Like that's on us. We, we have to bear that we got to invest in her and say, well, you know, I'm with her the whole way. And that's that. Meanwhile, she's causing havoc and chaos and forget about what he's going through. But as long as she gets right in their women in that, uh, that string from that meme who are, they don't like it. They don't see the other part of that. So, what do you have to say about that? No, and I totally agree. There are women out there who don't want to actually accept their roles, their actions. Mm. And again, I, I guess I just come from the point of view that I treat somebody how I would want to be treated. And mm. because I know I've been through a lot of things in life, I would hope somebody, once I feel comfortable to say, okay, this is the reason that okay that is your choice mm -hmm. and it's the same thing for for the gentleman all right we're kicking it i hope you could tell me okay whatever it is and then give me that choice so i can either grow with you through this or we don't and i think a lot of it is about choices mm -hmm. and not being transparent 
is not going to help the situation, whether it be from the man perspective or the woman perspective. It's just, to me, it's just, it's the human factor. Mm. And so I just go back to feeling that I have no problem, but let me know up front, give me the choice. And, and I feel because as you said, oh, I got to act this way, fake the funk, got the band-aid, you know, took my ibuprofen that the doc gave me. Right. It doesn't mean I'm all better. It doesn't right. mean I'm all better. And right. I just think this is where as mature adults being transparent, letting people know up front, that's where it needs to be at. But yes, there are those women out there, you know, they're waiting for opportunities. Mm. And I've just, I've seen it in, of course, me being in the military now for over 23 years. You know, I see a, my, I see my male friends go through it all the time with these civilian women. And I'm just like, you dummy. Like, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't, why are you dealing with that? Knowing once she truly understood who you were, what your situation was, you know, she's going to, you know, just run away. So it's just. Well, part of it, too, are, I guess you, is the, the role of men, the, the fixer. I can make this better. We, we are in, inherently like that. We'll figure it out. Uh, we'll, we'll build the hut. We'll create the fire. We'll kill the animal. You know, I'll sustain us. And, um, you know, it's primal. And some women feed upon that. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to make sure I'm okay. You're supposed to emotionally protect me and mentally, uh, you know, be there for, well, be there for my mental um, wellness and all that. And, and guys shall, you know, shoulder that, that guilt and get caught up in that. And that woman's basically destroying them. Especially males in the military, because you know we kind of bred that way. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And coming from the single parent point of view that I have, I've never experienced that. That somebody wanted to even want to take care of me. It's me. Well, let me get. Let you know they're going through a divorce, or they went through a you know a bad breakup, or. They've had issues they're trying to deal with in the past, going through therapy, mm -hmm. you know, but for me, I guess because I've never been that I need help. It's hard for me, you know, to even recognize, like, how can you not see like a woman's trying to play you or a woman, you're going to let this woman just continually bring you down in this downward spiral. Well, there's and a I couple of factors that, that play into that where we get. Um, the wool or the panties pulled over our head is probably a better <laughs> right. better measure of it <laughs> just right. to be candy Absolutely. yeah they'll cloud your right. thought they'll, that'll cloud your thoughts but yeah let's talk about some of these um responses on here um someone clapped in agreement um now this is an interesting one they respond they replied twice they said that's bovine excrement then they came back and said it is an incorrect social narrative well excuse me societal narrative due to gender roles and norms that society has been conditioned to believe are valid and true hmm so a societal narrative due to gender roles and norms what do you think about that so I think about how our parents were raised in their generation. So to us, that is 
the social narrative of assigned gender roles. Mm. And you can't, you can't help what you were taught, what you've seen, what you've lived through. Right. And depending upon how you've gone through life. And so I will take, I will take my parents' relationship as an example of how my thought process through my years. So my mother married my dad. So my dad was a Marine. Mm-hmm. My dad was 21. My mother was 17. Mm-hmm. She was already pregnant with me when she married my dad. And she felt she had to because that's what you do when you knock somebody up. You marry them. Mm-hmm. My mother my mother was a high school dropout. My dad was his dashing six foot three marine in blues that everybody drooled over you know women drool over men in blues that's a known fact that is still a fact to this day but as my mother went back got her ged finished her degree the one thing she hopped on me the most was andrea please make sure you don't depend on nobody for anything and it took a long time for me to truly understand because my mother caters to my father hand and foot. It doesn't matter if my mother has been at work for 12 hours. My father still expects a hot dinner on the table by 6, 6.30 p.m. And if it's past 6.30 p.m., my father will call or text saying, where's dinner at? Mm-hmm. So... That is, to me, a very good example of a societal narrative assigning gender roles and what right was supposed to look like. But as we go through in life, you know, it's our job to rewrite that, to rewrite that narrative to what fits with how we are living right now. And that's between you and that person, your relationship that that that's a generation, a generational thing. That's how it was. And um, this is a conversation I had with my mom. I cannot parent like you parent because it's not consistent to what's going on right now. It doesn't work. The the shielding and keeping us away from things and stuff like that. No, this is an information age. You know, you can't uh, tooth fairy and Santa and Easter bunny can't do that because they got these devices out here you know you, you can't discipline in the manner that you disciplined in you know the, the totalitarian dictatorship you know um it, it doesn't work that way i mean it's still the authority in my word is that's it i don't i don't um negotiate with children they're terrorists they have their own ideology that's inconsistent with mine you know if need be i, I will you know invade and destroy <laughs> but she couldn't grasp it, that yeah <laughs> you know she couldn't grasp that concept <laughs> like you know discipline has to be focused you know or there's no i would say what's the learning value in that like i used to tell all the time i'm like you spanked i became violent and you didn't know i became violent because you never saw that until much much later Cause that's what I knew, you know, and she couldn't grasp that. So my thing is it has to fit, you know, for what we're doing. 
I mean, it, it's, right. it may not fly right now in this day and time for me to be at work and, you know, if I had a wife, expect her to cook and she's been at work because we live in a different time. Right. You know, and, and women are far more conceptual and outspoken, you know, and go against that back then. The Joan Cleaver days are done. That's a dinosaur. You know, shout out to the women that do that because they take pride in being an old fashioned traditionalist, not knocking you. However, I personally would not expect for you to have dinner at the Russian home ready at a set time all the time. I mean, there's shared roles in the home now. It crosses like, hey, you put the laundry in. Hey, can you drop the car off? Uh, you know, and it might be the husband, it might be the wife. You know? But the Absolutely. the taking care of each other emotionally is not for one person. The upkeep and housekeeping of someone's emotionally and mental um, soundness is not for one person. And, and what we don't talk about a lot is um, male mental health and suicide. Because most Absolutely. men commit suicide out of failure. The shame of failure. And right. we don't talk about that enough. Yeah. No, and that's one thing, you know, I, I give props to Charlemagne the God, you know, not only on his book, you know, in his book that came after but mm -hmm. addressing that he's he's always mentioning on his social media about mental health and how right. you have to address it right and that's you know why i feel you know it with that mean with this whole discussion about it is we women we owe men the same support the same being there just as what society has tried to put on men all these centuries mm -hmm. and it's like it, it doesn't fit no more because we are humans and life sucks like it can really suck right and of course we don't know of course because the studies aren't going to come out right now like we don't know what everybody's psyche has been through with covid or right. losing your job and it's not right. just you know, you know, the women, but men, too. And oh, we can I see just, what really COVID has done to relationships. We already see that. Oh, absolutely. Just with famous people, right. we're you seeing know. that. We're, we're seeing that people don't love and like each other the way you thought they did because now they were stuck in the home with each other all the time. Right. And it's like, you know, I really don't like this person and love them as much as I thought I did. This ain't working. Countless relationships. Right. Exactly have uh, dissolved because of quarantining and COVID and all that stuff. Just being around the person all the time. They were perfectly fine seeing them once or twice a week, you know, going on vacations and stuff like that because of work demands. And now that person's stuck in the house because they aren't touring, they aren't filming, you know, they aren't on the set somewhere. And it's like, I don't like you. You know, your hair bothers me. I don't like your toes. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Right. No, 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 absolutely. You know, they thought like they had this perfect partner mm -hmm. and it's cool. Yeah, I see. I see you for an hour a day because, you know, you both had different work schedules. So right. you were around them up talking at most an hour or two a day. And it's like, cool, I can tolerate somebody. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like that whole roommate business was right. tolerable. Mm -hmm. 
And as you had mentioned, it's no longer a life that. And I just feel mental health is a serious issue and it's for everybody. Um, yes. There was one gentleman I dated and I guess it really took a toll on how not having that positive relationship with his mother turned him. So his mother was a crack addict. Mm. And it, from joining the military to what was going on with him in his very short military career, how it just tore him. And no matter how much he cried for help, and of course, as we know, young people, when we cry for help, it's always going to be in a bad manner. Whether right. you mess up, do something illegal, you name it. Because that is how when people are in crises, you know, in those moments, how they cry for help is getting right. in trouble. Right. And it, it took all that to getting kicked out of the military, put in jail to come to find out his mother was a crack addict and he was bullied in his neighborhood because everybody used to laugh mm -hmm. because they would see his mom running the street. Right. Right. And I used to say, um, you oh, can't go ahead, go fault, ahead. Go. You know, yeah, it's like you can't fault nobody when they've had, you know, a horrible experience and their dad just doing what, like you said, a, a societal role that was assigned. Well, you just got to deal with it. I got to be the man. I got to do this, but not really understanding or being taught those emotions on to even how to deal with it by not having that motherly relationship you know that nurture as you spoke about before right right i used to have um a saying um <laughs> that i came up with just off the cuff when i was a drill sergeant i used to say i need to get to the peanuts and corn of the super high intensity training meaning i gotta get down into the ish to figure out why did this happen why did you really do that and that particular job really tested me and my problem solving skills and my tolerance for certain things and um on the mental health aspect of it i don't know well i know what it was they they had basically they needed people so they were taking people with a ton of waivers that they wouldn't have done you know years prior to the surge and the wars and stuff like that and um i had a kid right and uh, he was he was peculiar already, so I was kind of watching him, keep my eye on him. Like he's not social, he's aloof, he's by himself all the time, you know. But he was squared away by appearance, haircut, boots on point, uniform crispy. You tell him to jump out the window three times, he'd do it five. But it was just something odd about him. So one night, I'm on duty, and um, the uh fire guard they come running downstairs drill sergeant drill sergeant you know you need to come up here he's doing this this and that so i run up there and he's um in his underwear dancing around bothering people and um you know i guess they thought i was gonna do drill sergeant stuff smoke them i was like everybody step back i said hey come here i said um sit down and he looks at me he's just like stunned I said, uh, what have you been doing? So he reaches into his locker and he pulls out cough syrup. 
he had drank two bottles of cough syrup. And he was scratching and itching and all that stuff. So take him down to the hospital and they said he's going over to the unit, you know, the psych ward. And we never saw him again. So his parents called and said, we thought you could help him. So which told me they were fully aware that their son had mental health issues and they figured we can't pay for this. So we'll send him to the army. The army will fix him. Right. And I said, sir, ma'am, this is military training. I said, he's training to be a combat medic. All we do is apply stress here to get you to respond. I said, this is not good. And this is why he had an episode. All we did was trigger him. That's it. And they were upset with us. But that those are the things. And I don't know what it was about 2006 to late 2005 to like mid 2006. It was just so many, you know, self mutilation, all kinds of ideations. And, you know, just getting these kids to talk to you was, you know, a, a hurdle you cross. And they taught us. I went to a suicide prevention course and um, they taught me something that sounds horrible. And they said, ask them, do you have a plan? And I was like, what? A plan to finish themselves. But when you look at it, it puts them on notice. Because you said it's a cry for help, right? Correct. They get in trouble. Once you confront them that you know that they're crying for help, it typically triggers a path to recovery and clearing that hurdle it was amazing right. yeah. the times i had to use that and i did not I was like do you have a plan they were just like why would you ask them that and they would tell you no i'm just going through this and i don't know what to do and there it is yeah mm. yep absolutely it's just, just as simple as asking that question right you know knowing that they've got the attention of somebody right. and those simple things and just this simple human humanization of I care and that mm -hmm. can go go a long way and which is the reason why I will keep going back to I want somebody to treat me you know the way I would treat them and we know every day is not unicorns and fairy dust and if somebody sees me out of my element or not acting, right. I will hope somebody would take the same consideration and ask me, hey, is everything okay? You know, you're not acting like yourself. Or I see your normal pattern, your normal schedule is not quite normal right now. And right. is there anything I can do for you? And so I just don't think because of that, what society puts on us on what a man is supposed to do and what a woman is supposed to what a woman is supposed to do why can't we just do what a human would do right. um just be a you know just be a good person just be a good human that that's and my, I think my saying just be a good human fixes everything you know? right no absolutely yeah absolutely another comment and um this is also a female she said i don't think this is true however we speak on what bothers them i don't think we'll be able to work with that i'm just saying we have our moments, but if you close down on us, how does that help? 
and um she was asking me a question i said i'm saving that for the podcast <laughs> and uh basically what she's getting at is you know we have our our problems but you're expecting the man to address it and comfort you or fix it but then when you come to us we shut down and i talked about that a lot of men have been through situations where they told you about their traumas and their challenges and difficulties and it was thrown back at them so they're very guarded they just got this box of stuff it, you know when you change assignments and you open up a box and you're like what is this why am i traveling exactly <laughs> right it is just there exactly and you, you just seal it back up and it just moves around <laughs> You the whole time and you never address the stuff in the box because you really just don't want to deal with it or you don't know how to deal with the stuff in the box and you're and hoping that that somebody comes along and say what's in this box come on let's just do this with this box but you don't know you know you don't know what they're going to do with the stuff in the box so you kind of eh, don't worry about that seal it back up but go ahead but it's like you're saying, they're not going to address what's inside that box until that person is comfortable with you. Right. And like you said, so when those when those red flags go up, it's like, mm, I've been down this road before. This is not the person I can mm-hmm. open the box with. Right. And that's where women have to women have to understand. Like, obviously, you are not the one. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard. It's rejection is difficult on both sides of the spectrum. Right. But in for that man to be vulnerable and to open up to you, that that says a lot. It says, you know, it speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. But a man is not going to open up that box and unload his emotional baggage or his emotional trauma until he knows that you're worthy. Right. And that's just a lot of times we women we cannot deal with that or we don't have the patience to deal with that. You know what? And that's okay. Right. I mean, sometimes um, you'll have women that you'll come across and they have no mutual contact to your situations and um you'll tell them like hey this is why i'm not ready to do this or i'm not at this stage i haven't progressed because of this and they'll come back with well it's been five years when you know you need to get over that you're done women who do that understand when you do that saying well it's been this time Time doesn't heal everything. It doesn't. It's a volcano, people. Emotional time is a volcano. It might be dormant. Doesn't mean it won't erupt, right? It might be active. But if you decide to build a home at the base of that volcano, women, understand you decided to put yourself in harm's way. Because you did not take the time to go, how long has, when was the last time this volcano erupted? Has it ever erupted? Any rumbles, any, you know, spewing of ash, anything like that? You know? Is any steam going on? You need to know these things instead of going, oh, yeah, it's been long, we'll be fine. Get over it. And that's really what you're telling that guy to get over it. And this is vice versa as well. Understand that, guys. All right. 
But I, I think a lot of times men are more causing it to an emotionally unstable woman than women are to a man because we tend to hide our issues where you know get it women are emotional beings you're designed to incubate a small human that requires a lot you know so yeah this was a good one it, <laughs> i'm getting messages right now ask me am i going to address this topic yeah <laughs> so uh i appreciate no, you it is yeah you're welcome no this is I, I just think it's not talked about enough no and and like i said it's it's really the human factor and mm -hmm. like you said with what fit back in the day in our parents mm -hmm. is not what fits now no. and there's a lot more going on and we have to address it from both sides in order to stop this vicious cycle and that's what like I try to preach to my kids, you know, is to stop this vicious cycle because their dad had his own issues. And so I was trying to prevent that emotional baggage in their DNA from him to spill on to them as young adults now. And I'm and I damn want to make sure like they don't have to go through what he has been through. Right. Right. It's you know, you could have traumas. You you might live in a a nurturing two-parent home parents were on point but unfortunately to economics you may lived in a um challenged environment so once you left the nurturing loving home and entered into that ecosystem you're exposed to a lot of stuff a lot right and with that you can get involved or you can manage within it or you know move through it and those things you you can't unsee stuff period that's just the way it is and being in the military we know that you deploy um unfortunate things happen sometimes you're there for it sometimes you're aware of it sometimes you you're the one engaged in it and you know a, a lot of civilian women need to understand that and they they say they do but they don't and you know people use ptsd just all willy-nilly loosely right you know they, they want to attribute um anything that they can't manage if they've never been in the military not saying that you can't experience ptsd um outside the military but it's it's a buzzword now everybody wants to attach it to um you know something bad that happened that's not necessarily ptsd it's just something that you know bothered you you know so understanding that they're not going to drink all the time they're not going to be violent. They're not going to have outbursts. They, they're not going to be staring right. off in their days. You know, there's so many other signs and symptoms that as a civilian that you you have no connection to the military. You won't understand. And they're like, well, he's not taking right. meds. He's fine. You know, he's just not doing what I want him to do. He doesn't have PTSD. Well, let me explain something. When I came back from my uh, tactical vacation, <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> I was not right. You know, and people thought this particular mission wasn't what it was. And it was, oh, my goodness. I think I have my gray hair start going from this thing. And I went in because I was like, man, I'm not sleeping right. I don't feel right. 
you know, and you come back from that and your unit expects for you to just jump right in, you know, business as usual. So I went and said, you know, hey, you don't feel right. This, this and that. And you know, the first thing they do. Pills, right? Correct. Hey, we're going to prescribe you this. And I went, no, 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 we're not going to do this. OK, I don't want that. I just want to be able to talk. I need to talk to a disinterested party. You know, that's it. That's it. Let me talk. Let me get it out of my head because I haven't been able to talk to anybody at all about this. So, boom, did that. I was OK. However, you have triggers. And that's the one thing that the person I talked to did not explain to me. I was aware of it, but I wasn't prepared to experience the triggers. And people need to understand, that, you know. I wasn't out there drinking, wasn't smashing walls and, you know, driving recklessly and all that stuff and doing all that, that the quote unquote traditional behaviors that you'd see in the movies wasn't doing all that. You know, I just kind of stayed in the house and avoided people for a while. That's it. That's it. But, you know, you, you, you have some years off and stuff like that. And, um, you know, now I'm retired and. No, I, I, I'm okay, you know. But being able to talk freely about stuff like that is really therapeutic. Correct. Because that I saw what the stigma does, and that's the part that people need to understand, especially on the civilian side. The stigma. Oh, he's weak. You know, he's always doing this. There he goes. He's going to his appointment again, or you know, he's sleeping again. Nah. If you're going to be judgmental and use that against that person, leave them alone. Go away. Go be with somebody else. Simply put. But you're expecting them right. to help you along your emotional journey, make you happy. Like I said, you know, so it, it's it's you got to do your part on both sides. You know, as the, the person that's um, experiencing the trauma, you can't project and the person that's on the, the you know the other side you know they're with you you can't uh judge the person you know and do shade tree therapy yourself i'm seeing that as well you know shout out to all the spiritual women out there you burn some sage in your home <laughs> got these right? vanilla lavender candles yeah <laughs> we're gonna meditate you know, you're going to wear this robe. You know, <laughs> sip this tea. So bad. <laughs> you mean well. I'm just messing with you. You mean well, ladies. You mean well. I'm just, you know, hey, you're not a professional. I, I get it. You know, we're going we're gonna to do this the holistic way. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I make jokes about stuff other people wouldn't. And don't come for me. You know. You can showing up at my door with the sage. <laughs> but yeah, um, like once again, uh, we, we're coming to the last few minutes of it. And uh, I, I like to say I reached out to a good person from this because it, you're on the care and, you know, treatment side of things in your profession. And, um, you know, you aren't you, you weren't always doing that. You know, you came from my realm, you know that kept you out of that place you know so you understand both sides you know hey do the things that should keep you from experiencing 
you know, all these emotional things. But once you're into it, you know how to manage it and help people along. You know, so you, you get that concept. So the people that were listening, you know, you heard that and what she was saying, you know, and I was like, oh, OK, it's still in her, you know, it's still there. The, the prevention part is still there. I hear it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I have to attribute even getting to this level was my first nursing job. So on Bamsey, I was on for West, which is the orthopedic ward but back in 2011 2012 that was actually that was the wounded warrior floor mm. and all i treated were young men mm-hmm. and some of the saddest things i saw was their family or their girlfriends or their spouses not asking how they're doing not going to the therapy but they were fighting over money i have Mm -mm -mm. never dealt with so many emotions with these young men Mm. shoot um we uh we at bamsey we had the youngest quadriplegic uh yeah no uh yeah he was a, a yeah a quad amputee he was missing all four of his limbs he was a pfc and i just remember his family was just arguing about money and he asked me to get them out of the room because he just couldn't take it anymore because people were starting to look at these men who were on the front lines and they looked at them as a walking paycheck yep and i i guess that really set home for me because i crossed over you know from being the e7 back to an o1 and that's all I could do was be the voice for these men and to know that journey that they were going to have to start off, start back on not only just a physical journey, but a mental healing journey. And I work with so many, you know, young men having to go through that journey. Like they became my heroes and cried with many, many men on that ward. Um, One, I'll never forget, he was in isolation. He came straight off the bird from Germany. And he was crying because he didn't want to be alone. And so, which is really, really sad for a a nursing staff, because a lot of times we don't have the staff to do what what we call one-on-one. Right. But he was in the isolation room because he just came, like, literally just got off the bird from Germany. And because I was the newbie, and, of course, um, they always give the new people... Um, they try to give you the most challenging patients. Mm. I was with him for eight hours because he could not be alone. Yeah. And so that's all we did was all we did was just talk. We cried, um, everything until his wife was able to make it in that wee hours in the morning. Yeah. And so, you know, my journey to understand the challenge of mental health and why it important to talk about it and deal with it and acknowledge it's okay for a man to cry it's okay for a man to get these emotions out was started on on four west there advancing yeah um you know toxic masculinity uh, a lot of men don't think that exists you know to shut up you know toughen up quiet so now i got to get into a point um you know i'm retired and I don't do the military stuff. 
I refer to it. So I gotta translate for everybody. It's going, bam, see what's he talking about? Brook Army Medical Center. Large hospital, Fort Sam Houston, everyone. It's like John Hopkins, if you will. She said 01, second lieutenant in the army, E7, sorry for his class in the army. For those of you going, what's he talking about? The translate for y'all. All right. I'm uh by uh jargon. I'm by jargon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm by like jargon. That. Yeah, so you know, people have sent me stuff and asked me. I actually have a show dedicated to my hilarious moments in the military. By the way, you all got a a guest host coming on for that. That's going to make it even funnier. Um, yeah. So this was a good segue into it. And uh, look, people, take care of yourselves. It's not weak if you seek help for the things that you can't understand and comprehend why you feel a little different. For those people who are intimately and significantly connected to another person, have some understanding. Don't dump your baggage on them, expecting them to fix you. Fix yourself first. Get happy first with yourself. Then find somebody to enhance your happiness. And that's how you truly achieve Happiness can go. Oh, you complete me. No, you should be complete first before you go and get with someone. Hmm? For all you relationship hoppers, you know, smiles. Yeah, because you're not happy with yourself. But hey, I appreciate you. You know, we go way, way, way back. How far back? Way back, like car seats. That's how. <laughs> I'm trying to think. That's um, how far we go back. Uh, oh, Aberdeen. five, right? 05? It was before I went to Joe Sondu. So early 05, I think. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, 05. Wow. 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 <laughs> yeah, way back. Years. Yeah. Shout out to the homie. You know, all your military uh <laughs> friends and family out there, people, you know. I don't you know me. I don't really mess with a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, you don't. Yeah, so if I'm cool with you, hey, that that means you hold a nice special place, you know. Yeah, it's the the military is very unique. It can be uh familiar, it can be um familiar, you know, as I like to say. But once again, people, make sure you download the Anchor app. If you don't do that, just Google it; it pops up. All right, you can donate to the app. Well, excuse me, to the podcast. If you got a topic. And you know how to reach me. Hey, do that. If you don't, the Delicious Tears podcast on Gmail. All right. The Delicious Tears podcast at Gmail. Also, get the merch at the Solution for Kick Supply Room. Got a lot of stuff on there for you. Uh, Tights for the ladies, hoodies, masks, mugs, T-shirts, tank tops, sweatpants. Got it all on there. And uh, once again, I appreciate you. And like she said earlier, you can fix all that just by being a better human. Right. Exactly. It's just big human. It it costs you zero. Zero. Nada. Yep. Nunca to be a decent and good human being. Yeah. Yeah. Unassuming effort. But we out of here. Thanks again once again and peace. Can I get Can I get a little more love from you? Swear they gotta feel like a drug from you. Make a brother wanna draw blood for you, and it's a fact that I can't get enough of you. I'm stuck with you because you make it feel so good. I really wanna quit, but I can't. I never did rock with the lead. The solution.